The Bible reading this morning is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, and can be found on page 80 in your pew Bible. A major theme throughout the book of Luke is the humanity of Jesus Christ. And in these verses, Jesus is found cleansing the lepers. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God? Accept this foreigner? And then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. So ends the reading in today's gospel. Reverend Doolittle, I am thankful for all kinds of things. I'm thankful for arabesque, but I also love Afternoon of a Fawn uh, by the same composer, so this is a wonderful gift. I am also thankful for Twinkies. My apologies to the health professionals in our midst. So there is hope since they will be leaving the face of the earth shortly, so my health will be restored. Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. On this Thanksgiving Sunday, I am tempted in the first instance to talk about gratitude and the appreciative heart. But I feel the tug, in light of today's account from Luke, to focus a bit more deeply on grace, that simple but powerful word of profound theological consequence and significance. Admittedly, today's account of ten lepers healed and only one turning back to praise God hints at gratitude a trait which may be the purest measure of one's character, if not spiritual condition. And this is further expanded in light of the fact that it is the foreigner, the Samaritan, the outsider, not the insiders, who in our story teaches the people of God what faith is, what praise is, and what thanksgiving is. But the real wonder and awesomeness of the story hinges on the fact that the Samaritan received a wholeness and healing that the others missed because he turned back 
and received grace as a profound and deeply healing gift. So, what is this thing called grace? I suppose it depends upon whom you ask. To Evelyn Underhill, the great mystic, grace is God himself, his loving energy at work within his church and within our souls. To John Stott, it is love that cares and stoops and rescues. To John Lombard, grace is unmerited love. We get it whether we deserve it or not. But perhaps my favorite rumination on grace comes from Frederick Beekner. Grace, says Beekner, is something you can never get but only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries in cream or earn good looks or bring about your own birth. A good sleep is grace, and so are good dreams. Most tears are grace. The smell of rain is grace. Somebody loving you is grace. Loving somebody is grace. Have you ever tried to love somebody? A crucial eccentricity of the Christian faith is the assertion that people are saved by grace. There is nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you have to do. The grace of God is something like, here's your life. You might never have been, but you are because the party wouldn't be complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Nothing can separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. There's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you'll reach out and take it. Maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift. And that, my friends, is what the one returning leper did. Moved by a grateful heart and a humble spirit, he turned back to God and Jesus reached out, even as a foreigner, an outsider, and part of a despised minority, and he received a grace-filled blessing all of which moved him to praise God as a whole and healed person, physically and spiritually. To be embraced by grace and to know it, to feel it, and to experience it in the core of your being is a power and heavenly persuasion which this world can neither give nor take away. Favorite story from a few years ago. It involved nine physically and cognitively challenged young people in the Special Olympics being held in Seattle, Washington. They were all lined up at the starting line for the 100-meter run. And at the sound of the gun, all the runners took off as fast as they could. That is, all except for one boy who stumbled out of the starting blocks. He fell down and began to cry. The other eight runners heard the boy crying, and you know what they did? They immediately stopped running and turned around to see what was wrong. 
Then, as the crowd waited in disbelief, all the other eight runners walked back to the place where the boy was lying on the ground. And when they got to him, they helped him back to his feet. And one girl with Down syndrome leaned over and kissed him and said, that will make it better. And then all nine of them linked arms and walked together to the finish line. The stadium crowd erupted and began to cheer. For 10 minutes, they gave those nine runners a standing ovation in turning back to the grace of God embodied in that fallen boy, those runners, and in fact, the whole stadium crowd were embraced by grace and suddenly made whole. Surely this was cause for great thanksgiving. Surely this was the moment when praise for Almighty God was clearly in order. The problem with grace, however, is often the dilemma of human apprehension. To the distracted, distraught, and downtrodden, grace may simply be invisible. To the self-possessed, self-confident, and self-deluded, grace may be an alien if not irrelevant concept. To the proud, preoccupied, and pretentious, grace may somehow fail to root itself in the fertile soil of humility, hopefulness, and gratitude. Perfect example is the tale of a man who was lost in the woods in the North Country. Fortunately, the story had a happy ending, inasmuch as the man was found. Later, in describing the experience, the man detailed how frightened he had been and how he had even knelt and prayed. Someone then asked, did God answer your prayer? To which the man replied, oh no, before God had a chance, a guide came along and showed me the way out. Grace is a gift, apprehended by some, missed by many, but given to all. For people of faith, grace should be that sacred key held gently in the heart and mind which comes from time to time and unlocks those heavy doors, keeping us humble, making us whole, and nurturing our gratitude. To be embraced by grace, as the ten lepers were in our account from Luke, is to root us in our relationship with God. The result of which, upon our turning back to God, in recognition and heartfelt appreciation, is pure gratitude. Of which, the loss in human commerce and discourse impoverishes us all and leaves the world so much poorer. Let me close with a story for this time and this season acknowledging what it means to be embraced by grace and recognizing the power of gratitude, something profoundly witnessed to in Luke by the one returning healed leper. It involved a sidewheeler steamboat decades ago rammed by another boat one stormy night on Lake Michigan. The steamboat sunk just a mile offshore from the village of Winnetka, Illinois. Out of 393 passengers on board, 279 passengers drowned. There was nearby to this disaster a man by the name of Edward Spencer. And after seeing the situation unfold, Spencer plunged into the lake and swam to the drowning people. 
One by one, he towed to shore in subsequent safety a total of 17 people, all at great cost to Spencer, because by the time he had rescued the 17th person, the strain on Spencer was so great that it caused him to collapse. The result being that the nerves in his legs were so completely destroyed that he would never walk again. In short, he was an invalid, wheelchair-bound victim for his entire life. On Spencer's 80th birthday, someone asked him to relate his most vivid memory of that dreadful day. And do you know what he said? He said, not one of the 17 returned to thank me. Friends in Christ, you and I are embraced daily by grace, a supremely beautiful gift essential to our spiritual lives. Better yet, we are immersed in it, just as we as Christians are immersed in the baptismal and life-giving waters of Jesus Christ. And while a good God will continue forever to bless our lives with unmerited love and healing and wholeness, whether or not we note it, notice it, neglect it, or forget it, whether or not we deserve it, want it, or turn our backs on it, might it not do something incredibly transformative within us and as we relate to God and others if we could but acknowledge such grace with humble and thankful hearts and thoughtful devotion to God? Indeed, might it be our greatest step in discovering a new faith in a living and a loving God? Thanks be to, the, to God for the gift of grace so fully and abundantly given to each and every one of us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the gift of this day. We are much too busy, much too overextended, much too distracted from those things that are most important in life, yet we try hard and earnestly and honestly. Help us in this season of thanksgiving to be of a humble spirit and a thankful heart that we might perceive and indeed be mediators through our own lives of the gracious gift of grace that you give to us and you give to our world. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen.